0: Why successful people want to believe everyone can succeed. So there's this idea with success, right? Where once you become successful, you want to feel as though you're deserving of success. If you're running a race and the gun goes off and you run and you get first, you're like, yeah. If you turn around and you notice that a guy has come along with a shovel and beaten all of your opponents so they can't walk, you're not going to feel very good that you got to to where you are you would be like oh well i didn't really win now did i um you want to feel deserving of what you've achieved people will sell themselves these narratives to convince themselves that they were the arbiters of their own success like you you'll sometimes hear people say oh 87 percent of millionaires are uh self-made in reality that number comes from like a survey of millionaires who just say they're self-made <laughs> people are like well sure my parents did pay for me to go to the finest colleges and universities i did have the finest tutors and yes my father did give me um a bit of a leg up at the company but i did work very hard to get where i am today i am a millionaire today because of my own hard work and i am self-made it's because we're often we're blinds to the advantages that we get or the advantages that we have that other people don't have it is the fact of your life that there is more things impacting you that you don't control than that you do control when you scroll down your Facebook feed, your Twitter feed. You don't know what information you're going to see in your feed. How you're going to react to that information. You don't know what a company in Germany is about to release in terms of a product that could shake up your job and and or ruin your investments or whatever. Each of us is ignorant of what the future is bringing. But what we try to do is take information that is profit to us by our environment and attempt to predict the future in a way to achieve outcomes that we desire. And because our all our environments aren't equal, each of us doesn't have access to the same information. Nor, because of our genetics, do we have equal ability to utilize the information we're given anyway. So you have people who are in particular circumstances to get information that enables them to achieve success that they will just attribute to their own genius. Like, oh I used this information uh, profitably by my environment to become successful, I'm, I'm self-made. But in reality, you just happen to be in the right place at the right time to get that information when most people wouldn't. But when you get successful, you kind of want to ignore this. Because you've got to look around you and say, man, I'm living in luxury while these people are all living paycheck to paycheck. I'm buying myself my third car, my third house, and these people can barely get by. That person's living in their car, that person's in abject poverty. And so, people want to sell themselves these narratives where anyone is able to become successful, or equally able to. It, 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 it follows along the just world bias that people have to varying degrees, which is a thing in psychology. Because if the if the world isn't just, if everyone isn't capable of success, then your success is in part or wholly a matter of happenstance, rather than something that you're doing or that uh, you've achieved. So you're going to sit around in your comfort, high, high nutrition, air conditioning, looking outside at people barely able to get by, And you're gonna feel like shit. You're gonna feel guilty. People want to rationalize things so they don't have to feel guilty about the circumstances they find themselves in. So they invent narratives that somehow makes it so the world is actually a just and fair place and they are deserving of where they are. Why successful people overestimate the capabilities of others? So have you guys heard of the Dunning-Kruger effect? Most people have. It's basically the idea that a person who lacks knowledge and skills in an area is unable to assess their uh, degree of knowledge and skill in relation to everyone else. So, potentially overestimates their capabilities. Another part of this research done by these dudes is that experts will often overestimate the capabilities of non-experts. Any of you, if you can see yourself an expert in any st- anything, will have come across this. Where, because you're mainly around other people, who have similar interests to yourself, similar experts, similar expertise, or whatever, and that you aren't constantly assessing the average person, necessarily, you come to assume that other people are capable of similar things to yourself. Or if you accept that you're an expert, you at least believe them at least somewhat capable. I've watched videos where people say, this is basic science that everyone knows, and I'm like, I didn't know that. I vaguely remember that from high school. But because a person who studies chemistry all the time and talks in certain terms all the time, just assumes that, you know, the average person has at least some understanding of chemistry. I will often, I'll play GTA 5 and feel like shit that I'm not very good, and then I'll watch another person play GTA 5 and I'll be like, oh, I am good. Completely forgot that people who play this game aren't, aren't on the same level as me, because why would they be? I've been playing for 9,000 hours. I'll let people write comments like, oh, that driving there was amazing, literally. I'll look at the section they're talking about, I'm like, that's shit driving, what are you talking about? You judge everything else in a large part by yourself. You are the standard unless proven otherwise, and because most of your experience is around yourself and people like yourself, you don't necessarily, by your experience, get an understanding of everyone else outside of your little bubble. But because your experience is in this bubble, you assume that everything outside the bubble is at least somewhat similar to what's inside of it. The luck that is required for success on YouTube and elsewhere. Here's the path to success, right? Here's a landmine, 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 here's a landmine. On the end, here, there is success. And so Ludwig is like, ah, da, 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 happens by coincidence to luckily dodge a mine. In another, he sees a mine, so he goes around it. He goes here, oh, he's about to hit one, but luckily he sidesteps and he gets to success, right? And now that he's been successful, he's like, I can do this again it's just skill and so he goes back to the beginning and walks like see guys it's just skill but he to get through the first time he had to get lucky all this niche knowledge that he has that is enabling his success here is stuff that you could only get by being lucky the first time round, long enough to get that knowledge the most important thing isn't just trying to copy people who are successful you've got to look at the people who aren't successful and think why did they fail this pathway to success has many pathways through these mines of failure, many different pathways. So, you might be starting here, Ludwig probably start here, he's got a good path through here, right? You starting here, you don't necessarily, your best path isn't necessarily the same one Ludwig took. How you can get successful, like, it, it's, it's possible that Ludwig walking through here has kicked up some dirt, that's now obscuring this mind. This this path may be even harder now because he's gone through it. The the ideal scenario, you want to find a path to success that no one else has taken. As a general rule, it, it kind of looks like this. This is like your chance of success versus like how many people are doing it or something. When no one's going along that path, success is effectively guaranteed. In fact, things can still happen, but your chances of success is so much higher because no one realizes that that's a path to success. So when the internet first became a thing, everyone's like, this is just a fad. The amount of people who are in a position to know that the internet wasn't gonna be a fad was very tiny. So if you're in an environment with that niche knowledge, you're like, holy shit, this internet's gonna be a huge thing. You're Jeff Bezos doing interviews like, guys, the internet is gonna revolutionize the world and the news anchors are just like, Pfft. Fuck off it is, because so many people doubt the internet was going to be a thing. But be- but and all these big companies didn't foresee that the internet was going to be a thing, but Bezos was in a position where he had some knowledge and took a risk on the future. And so that's why Amazon is where it is now. Um, but not just that reason, but it's a big reason, right? Why is Bill Gates uber rich? Is it because he worked really hard or because his mother worked for IBM? And he was one of the first people in the world to have a constant access to a computer. You know, because it it isn't just about knowledge of a pathway to success. You want to be in a situation where most people can't even take that path because you have niche things in your environment all related to you, right? The more people that take a path of success, the harder it is to succeed along that path. Often it never gets to zero because as things become more understood, um, certain things become easier, more information about how this path works becomes more available. But in general, the people who get true monumental success are those who are in Particular circumstances to see trends for the future that other people can't see or are willing to take a gamble on the future and have it pay off. But as with taking risks, remember if a path only has a 10% chance of success, it means endless people took that path and failed. 90% of people took that path and failed. Those 10% of people will tell you until the cows come home how great that pathway to success was, being completely ignorant of the 90% of people who failed. It's why it's always important to look at the people who failed along with the people who su- to succeed to get a, a rough gauge of, of of the general likelihood of success. Remember that YouTube is a very big place. Success in one domain can preclude you from success in another. Mr. Beast isn't the most successful person on this platform in every niche. In some niches on YouTube and some audiences, he's failing fucking terribly. He just has, he succeeded in a general way. They can, you can make YouTube videos that not a single person who watches mr beast videos watches and be successful there has never been a single mr beast video that i thought this is fucking incredible oh my god i'm so happy i watched this but i enjoy them though mr beast videos are like six out of ten videos for me but summoning salt videos every single one of those videos is 10 out of 10 for me summoning salt may get one 100th of the views of mr beast but i would i would trade mr beast every single fucking time for summoning salt. Didn't you do Twitch without income for years, taking a fat risk to be a streamer? No person doesn't have savings. When I started Twitch, I had $30,000 in savings and I barely made it. I cried on stream believing I would have to quit and I hated it because I love streaming so much. And I already had achieved success greater than potentially 99% of people will ever as- achieve on Twitch because I had like 250 viewers at that time. I was a speedrunner, well respected, had world records, and it was only because Again, we can talk about my history and the handful of things that just happened to exist in my environment that enabled me to get to 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 where I am today. That that kept me going. I have worked damn hard. I have no friends. I have no life. I have no girlfriend. I barely see my family. I work like 12 hours a day. So much of my success is hard work. But so much of it is also luck. Different people need different amounts depending upon their circumstances. But everyone has some of each. There's There's this expression that people say you don't got to work hard you got to work smart not realizing that people's ability to work smart is directly dependent upon luck in their environment to have access to certain resources that tell them or suggest to them how to work smarter for example right now each one of us is not being optimal Um, there are many different things that each of us could be doing to make our content better that we're completely ignorant of we have no idea where to get that knowledge for example right now when i edit i have multiple audio tracks this is a new thing for me Maybe a year ago I started doing this. You have no conception of how much of an annoying pain in the ass having one audio track is, where all the audio is on one track. I was completely ignorant that OBS can do more than one. Or at least that you didn't need special equipment to do it. I separated my microphone and my my other audio, right? And now I even have a device that I, I only have because I happen to know a guy who's very much so into tech and audio and stuff. The only reason I knew to do this is because I happen to be in a Discord that I probably shouldn't be in anyway because I don't really fit the criteria where other content creators are talking about speedrunning videos that they make. You know all those speedrun documentary videos that people make? There's a Discord with a lot of those people in it. Small people, 1k subscribers, 100k subscribers. If you're in this Discord, you're getting access to good information sometimes. Um, I click and read what they say quite a lot. And one guy was like, oh yes, I was uh, splitting my audio tracks. I'm like, you can split your audio tracks? Oh my God, hundreds of hours I've wasted not being smart, not not doing things the smart way. And I I only was able to change because I happened to click on a Discord. And this this happens all the time. My Clips channel exists in a large part because I just happened to get recommended a video from a channel that had explosive growth uploading other people's clips. And so I was one of the first people to make a Clips channel. And it blew me up and I just happened to see that video and then have the prerequisite knowledge and content to take advantage of that opportunity presented to me. I worked very smart, but my environment had to offer those opportunities to me. And I worked very hard. Not a lot of people would post 7,000 clips to a clip channel. Because you're in your own head. You're in your own bubble. You don't necessarily know what it's like to not be you. A channel that reviews heaps of MMOs. So, I don't get to play MMOs anymore. I haven't played one since WoW, I guess. But there's this guy, Josh Strife Hayes, who just plays MMOs. This is an insane concept to me. Like, I always assumed that everyone would just, like, stick to one MMO until it crashed or they truly got sick of it and moved on to another one and moved on to another one. This guy has apparently played them all and even makes it, you know, a series out of trying different mmos and explaining why he thinks they're flawed or good or what they succeed at, what they fail at and i find it very interesting but in part it's just his voice his voice is just so nice to listen to listen to this tree of savior is perhaps proof that even if you have stunningly beautiful graphics helping to create a classically gorgeous world solid and responsive movement with impactful satisfying action combat gameplay I'll just sit here, editing, listening to this guy being like this has too many microtransactions, or this is too many Level systems or whatever, and I'm just like yeah, okay (laughs) It's it's that kind of content that I am clearly not internalizing any of the information But while I'm listening to it, it's just so smoothing and nice To have a person break something down that they're very passionate about, you know Dislikes likes and the YouTube algorithm Someone asked me how I still have dislikes. I have an extension for it. Yeah, it's just just called, uh, return YouTube dislike. I'm not sure it's gonna last forever. And certainly because people now think that no one else is gonna see their dislike except the creator, people are probably less likely to press the dislike button. So for new videos, you're not getting the same experience as you did with old videos when the dislikes were visible. But it does help for older videos because you can still see the dislikes. For any video before they removed it you can still see how many people disliked when they first saw it so here's releasing a video on youtube these days right and if you scroll down you'll notice that there's something missing tags are missing they're not here you have to go show more and go down to tags to put them in and it says tags can be useful if content in your video is commonly misspelled otherwise tags play a minimal role in helping your viewers find your video if you have no tags i'm pretty sure it says like this isn't recommended It's just a thing that you can do. But once upon a time, tags were really fucking important. At least that's what YouTube said, like you gotta tag everything right and all that jazz. But these days they say the complete opposite. And the reason I suspect is because the algorithm changes in terms of what it pays attention to. The second that YouTubers know of a factor, they game it. So people obviously spend a lot of time shoving useless tags in the tag section that got their video more views, but didn't increase the satisfaction of the viewers themselves. So people are being shown the wrong videos and therefore YouTube's like well algorithm, stop prioritizing tags, this is clearly not working for us. The reason why I bring this up is I suspect it's the same thing as the likes and dislikes. Once upon a time, whether or not a person pressed like on the video was an important indicator for the algorithm in YouTube, as to whether or not people actually liked the video and wanted to watch it and whether they should share it to other people. But these days, because so many YouTubers are like, Hey, hit that like button, it's no longer a good indicator as to whether or not people actually like the video. And so you've got all these creators who are spending time in their videos asking viewers to do stuff that doesn't actually benefit them. It's a waste of the viewers time. It's a waste of the content creators time. And so I suspect that YouTube, uh, YouTube probably doesn't want likes and dislikes at all. They probably consider them to be a completely useless metric for consumer satisfaction or whatever. I'm not saying this is necessarily the case, but this is probably YouTube's thinking. We have so many analytics, every place that the mouse goes, every nanosecond that a person pauses or whatever, uh, you know, speeds up. Uh, how many videos that they're clicking and stuff and um, uh, watch time where they're watching to the very end. We've got this whole content profile We don't need to know whether people are pressing like or dislike to know whether or not a person liked or disliked that video, right? And so like let's just get rid of it So it's one less distraction for the viewer from them watching more content Like I think this is the direction that they're kinda going. Like hypothetically speaking, if the algorithm is good enough, then like the likes and dislikes shouldn't be necessary. The videos that are are scams and people don't like are just not gonna be sent to people. They're not gonna be shared, they're not gonna be recommended. And they might even be deprioritized in search Features. But I suspect, you know, the average viewer and, and creator doesn't have that much com- confidence in the algorithm to actually do that well. And certainly people prefer that sense of control. They don't want to trust an algorithm to prevent them receiving scams and they're recommended. They want to be able to do that themselves via the like and dislike. So I'd probably say that people potentially wasting their time asking for likes and pressing like and dislike isn't that much of a negative when compared to people having one more way of detecting scams and false videos and stuff but i suppose then again there is of course the downside that people do mass dislike things not because the video is bad but because they personally don't like it the dislike button isn't necessarily a way of measuring something's falsehood or level of scamming or whatever it can relate to just people's you know perception of it being controversial let's say like there have been videos that i have found that have had thousands of dislikes that i've considered to be perfectly reasonable and completely legitimate. I'm sure you've had the same experience. I've had videos where they've, there's been like a 99% like ratio and I've considered them to be complete scams containing nothing but ignorant garbage. Just because the video doesn't agree with the masses doesn't mean it's bad, exactly. Thinking about it now, let's consider that the main thing the dislike button does is to ward people away from scams and wrong information. Stuff that people shouldn't be watching. What is better at doing that in a non-biased way? An algorithm or the average person? Thinking about it this way, I think I'd go with the algorithm. I've seen it be the case that a video has released, and it's had more dislikes than likes, and the video has only been out for like two minutes. I actually actually do know of a channel, he's a climate scientist, and he makes videos about the environment and climate change and all that jazz, and each one of his videos has at least 10% dislikes. He's commented, like, he finds it unbelievable that these could be actual people doing this. He thinks there's just a bunch of bots that do it. And I'm sure that must be very annoying to, you know, make videos of a topic that you're very knowledgeable and passionate about. And to have people mash that dislike button just because they don't like what you're saying. It's like, the, it's just the more that I reflect on the dislike button and the like button, it just seems so pointless. Both of them. No, I'll tell that back. It's not pointless. It's just... It creates both good and bad situations, and I don't have enough information to know whether it creates more good or bad situations. Any system is going to cause good and bad, and I'd need more information to know which is more likely. I mean, for controversial videos, the creators could disable that. So, if everyone has likes and dislikes, except you, it represents you as someone trying to hide something and people will instantly click off the video or consider it to be uh, less reputable. The goal of mass dislikes is to achieve that and if you hide likes and dislikes you give the people mass disliking you exactly what they want. The big YouTubers can buy likes and still go on with their scams. I mean YouTube does do things to get rid of bothered likes and dislikes apparently, but I don't think the big YouTubers who, you know, come out with a scam NFT I mean, they're all scams, but I don't think they're getting 99% likes because of bots. I think it's just, you know, they know the audience, you know? I people are paid to dislike certain content creators' videos. Yeah, that is a service provided in some areas where you can pay for likes and dislikes done by actual people and actual accounts. The biggest reason why I suppose I don't like dislikes being taken away is because it's like the one last way that a creator can't hide the response because it's possible for a creator to... Hide or delete all the negative comments, but they can't get rid of dislikes without telling people that they're getting rid of dislikes If there was a thing down here that said something like 10 comments deleted or something, that'd be interesting It would at least give the viewers some feedback that you know Maybe this isn't as positive as the comments were suggesting Do you think YouTube will stop recommending a video based on the number? I am I am certain right now that YouTube does not recommend videos based on the number of likes Because it's less representative of how good a video is and more how well a creator has asked for likes. Like, if you ask for likes, it can like double or triple the amount of likes you get. How good you were at asking for likes isn't necessarily representative of how good the video is, you know? And the amount of likes you get is often a matter of uh, it being a popularity contest. That isn't to say that amazing videos don't get a lot of likes, it's just, as I say, a system that's so easy to game that it would just be weird if, if the algorithm took that feedback. YouTube honestly says they don't know how their algorithm works, so we are left walking blindfolded. There's a difference between saying I don't know how my toaster works and I don't know how to use a toaster. Here's an algorithm. I have no idea what it's doing, right? Algorithm. I have no idea what it's doing, but I give it these three things. Then on the other side, I get this. There are only so many ways that you can conceive of how the algorithm would have sorted this information in this way. Maybe it was was like, oh, I'm going to go from darkest to lightest, and then it just sorted it that way. Or maybe it went backwards and went lightest to darkest. But you have some idea of what it's doing in there, right? But the more complicated things get, the more you just give it more information, it can sort things in ways that you can't necessarily predict. But you do have some idea, right? Often you can look at the output that it's giving you and say, okay, this is bad or this is good. It isn't like YouTube is clueless what its machine learning algorithms are doing. YouTube definitely tweaks the algorithm. They say, hey, prioritize this. And then they the algorithm does that. And then they look at the outcomes and they say, you know what? Prioritizing that didn't actually have the outcomes that we wanted. Or the algorithm isn't you know achieving the results that we wanted with that small tweak that we had to it. Be sure to like the video and subscribe to my channel, it costs you nothing and I wish you all the best.